everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We're digging into the digital revolution and the incredible changes that that is bringing to our work lives, our personal lives, and everywhere in between. Although these days, I'm not so sure there is so much space in between our personal and professional lives. But the world's changing faster than ever before. We're always eager to speak with executives and visionaries who are helping to drive some of these changes. And we're delighted today to have the uh, CEO and co-founder of Propel PLM, Ray Hine, with us. Ray, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. Bob, thanks for uh, having me uh, speak about what's transforming the world and, and this, this new Cloud War uh, path that we're on. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Ray, you know, you've got uh, an interesting history, and I thought it was intriguing. Just before we started, you chat a little bit about this, and I think it was great context you offered that you had been earlier in your career, you know, deeply involved in the PLM side of things. But then you were over, you worked at some companies that were more out on the customer facing thing. And the exposure from those sort of two different angles into the world gave you this idea about you want what you wanted to do with Propel. So would you talk about that a little, Ray? Because I think it's a very unique insight into um, why the company is picking up the sort of growth it is today. Yeah, that's a great, great question. You know, my my background, I've been involved in in high tech product development, product launch uh, for many, many part, uh, many years uh, in my my early career with engineering, manufacturing, supply chain. When we were building product in Southern California and manufacturing in Singapore and Bangkok and the like, and in engineering, supply chain, manufacturing was product was king, and it was you know if you build it, they will come building out supply chain. We all went through the shift in the mid to late nineties of, of taking captive manufacturing teams and going to outsource manufacturing. That was a big macro trend that drove in our category of software product lifecycle management. How do you get engineering and manufacturing to collaborate and launch products? <laughs> but as I departed um, the PLM space in the in the mid 2000s, when the company I'd worked for was acquired by Oracle, um, like many companies that were acquired by Oracle, I think they picked up you know the best in class in CRM and HRM and PLM and and put them underneath the Oracle brand. Um, I, I moved into an area where I got into companies that were doing pricing, price optimization, and configure price quote, and I wanted to you know see where that would go. Uh, and, and, and move more towards the customer facing side, as you mentioned. But what I realized was that the business models were shifting. And this was, you know, literally, say, five to eight years ago you know, that, that I had made this, this big shift. And that where it was product success was how do you design and launch products in a supply chain, that true market success was a big gap. And there's been a chasm, if you will, between the product teams and the sales and marketing teams that have been has been unfulfilled. So we decided, or I decided with my founding team to close that gap and get rid of these silos where products went through design, make, market, sell, serve, uh, uh, service, that how do we close those white spaces of those handoffs and then really bring product and customer teams together to help shrink this 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 gap this compression of innovation um, faster products to market more global competition was only going to be serviced if we thought about it in a different way and and we can talk about new business models as well with e-commerce and recurring revenue streams that were also big drivers too that uh, brought me to this 
this conclusion that we needed to think about PLM differently by combining the, the, the product and customer and really thinking about the real life cycle of concept to customer, you know, end to end. Uh-huh. Ray, you know, as you were describing that, right, at the time, I'm sure it made perfect sense to everybody. Hey, you know, we got just like a, uh, you know, if you look through, uh, you know, manufacturing company, the product moves down the assembly line. Well, you know, in companies, it goes from department to department. To, and you get to that fourth or fifth department, you can almost see that somebody looking at it says, huh, you know, if to market this, it's going to be tricky. I wish they had designed it differently, but oh, well. And then, you know, you 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 do the best you can, but it wasn't that integrated whole where you sort of take the best of what the whole company can bring to uh, to a product today. So, Ray, you know, I, I just think this this sort of shift and how, you know, what you've taken Propel now into some industry-specific solutions. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on, right, I think these, you know, industry solutions now are helping companies um, be able to connect their teams internally to accelerate growth and to really dazzle their customers. So what role do you have Propel playing in that today? Uh, you know, that's, that is a great question. Again, building on that point of how products were designed and manufactured before, you had this phase gate, stage gate process. We, we have this phase, we have to do all these things. When we're done with that, we'll gate it, check, and then go to the next stage and the next stage. Well, that just doesn't work anymore when everything has to happen in parallel. We've got global teams, value chains, both supply chains and customer chains and distribution channels are far flung. Um, you can't work that way in this phase gate, stage gate. So people talk a lot about enterprise collaboration and, and using cloud-based collaboration methods and, and conversations, whether it's um, you know, Microsoft Teams and SharePoint and, and, and uh, uh, some of the other areas that you're seeing people that have been using more team-based uh, types of approach or even say Zoom and other collaboration methods, Slack for sure has helped wire us to be able to have better collaborative threads. But those are really just conversations. And the difference in these industry clouds and what we're doing within Propel is we're making sure that we bring everybody that touches the product through all of those siloed departments that have to coordinate, collaborate, know what's going on, and maybe use the wisdom of crowds, to your point, to actually make the product better and more relevant. Um, we're using things like Slack and, and Chatter. Um, we're, we're built on top of sales. Force. We're a 100% native Salesforce application stack. And we chose that because we wanted to be able to bring product and customer together and have these conversations in context of the, of the process and the people that are involved in the process to ensure that that, that knowledge set and that industry knowledge was, was instantiated and, and uh, managed through that development process, through that launch process, and then ultimately in the hands of the customer. Yeah, you know, as you described that, Ray, again, I, I'm sorry, there's a little diversion here, but I think about this term I hear from, you know, some very good business people, but they'll talk about, oh, we have the front office and the back office. And I'm wondering, does that concept hold true today, right? Because you could have somebody who's in manufacturing or engineering or procurement. Your premise seems to be you've got to get all those people to have direct impact on dazzling that customer or else, you know, as you described it, the phase gate, stage gate approach is going to just sort of gum things up and those companies aren't going to be able to compete. 
No, I, I, I was grinning and smiling as you were saying it. I mean, we talk about Propel being a whole office or a whole value chain solution um, because everybody in the company inside the four walls definitely is active in touching the product or in, you know, in designing or launching or selling or servicing the product. But the supply chain has to be in sync too. And then distribution channels. And, and if you're doing it through omni-channel selling, whether it's e-commerce online or through distribution uh, distributors, everybody has to be completely synchronized. So it, it is a big shift in the way people have to work um, to make sure that pro- true product success is market success. Yeah. It used to be, it used to be that we as product people and product managers thought about it. We understand what the customer needs. We're going to design it. If we build it, they will come. It was kind of a field of dreams mindset of how products were designed and launched. But it's not the case today because people have way too many choices. And if you don't think about, instead of going from product forward to customer, you have to think from customer going back, but then striping it all the way across for the whole office that everybody understands what what that means. Yeah, Ray, I, I, I love what you just said there. And I was thinking about it in terms of, um, I, I just don't know how that businesses today are going to be able to compete if they don't have that customer at the center, or as you put it, you know, from the customer back in that direction. Uh, So it's in part cultural, but it's also, I guess, you know, the technology that's available now, right? We companies didn't think that way. The software companies like Propel weren't creating these sorts of products, but they're out there now. And I think, you know, as I've uh, studied up on what you do, Ray, it seems that if somebody's able to harness the power of what you are doing at Propel, they can become those disruptors in industries because they've got that whole view from the get-go rather than having to put it out, bring it back, tinker with it, and so forth like that. So um, I I just wanted you think that's a fair assessment of what Propel is able to do today. Yeah, uh, we call, you know, there's, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, there are people that have been designing, manufacturing, launching products using legacy tools for many, many years. Um, and, and, and those folks are, are having to keep up and drive innovation much faster than they've had to in the past. But the ones that we see that are, are we call them the rocket ships, you know, some of the companies that have gone public, um, you know, in, in recent times that were born in the cloud. We, we, you know, there's, there's some companies that we call them born in the cloud companies. I'll use yeah. one example, a company called Desktop Metal. Um, Boston-based company, high flyer, 3D printing company. Um, you know, they, they started about the time Propel did, about, you know, six and a half, seven years ago. Uh, Boston-based MIT group, they came out with a desktop metal printer that could be ganged together for production volume um, parts. But when we talked, they said they needed to design the material science, the product, hire the people, put the systems, tools, and processes all in parallel and shrank the time to market. And, you know, they'll, they'll tell you that we helped them get their product to market faster because it, it did wire all of those teams together um, throughout that process. And, um, you know, they've, they've recently gone public. Um, they're a dominant player in their space. And we see that in many types of industries. We've seen that in um, medical device companies. We've seen that in high-tech electronics companies. We've seen it in consumer goods companies and industrial capital equipment that the companies that have been, um, have, have really formed in say the last five to 10 years 
have a different mindset than the companies that are 15 to 30 years old and they're scrambling. And you and I are both old enough to remember when the big shift in Y2K, when everybody updated their ERP systems, you know, that was kind of the big last aha for ERP. And now we're seeing cloud transition for ERP one more time, 20 plus years later. Um, Those older companies are being forced to rethink their processes, but they're big. And they're, they're the, you know, they're the, the aircraft carriers versus the PT boats of these new born in the cloud companies. Yeah. Ray, if they can get that right, though, the, those big companies with the power of incumbency and they've got uh, customer relationships and knowledge and industry knowledge and so on could be very powerful. So how would propel, you know, how do you help them make that connection that it's not commercial over here and product over here, but it's those two together? How do you help them develop that unified mindset and process? Well, what we're doing is that we're, we're, we're driving it from a business value perspective. You know, people aren't going to make change just for the sake of change and especially in IT costs and so forth. Um, But when you can connect the dots that the old systems, at least in our space, were focused on efficiency and cutting costs, um, certainly we want to manage through that. Um, But when we can point back to that we can increase revenue, increase customer loyalty and commitment, and that as their business models have shifted from, um, say, one-time selling to now recurring revenue models, which almost every product company on the planet is trying to figure out how to do what we've done in SaaS software in physical products, um, and then own the whole share of the customer uh, for customer lifetime value. Uh, We're talking about increasing revenue. So the conversations now are with COOs, CEOs, and not just the heads of product, and those heads of product now are also, you know, known as chief product officers. And so they're being held accountable for reg- uh, revenue and margin growth where they weren't held accountable, you know, 20, 30 years ago when we first started this category. Yeah. You could see somebody saying like, uh, Hey, you know, I should, I should get my full bonus. I got the product out on time and on budget. Yeah. But nobody bought it. Well, but you know, not my problem. That It's such a, you know, not that many years after, Ray, but that's such a foreign concept now, but that was how people thought. So I loved how you talked about the ability of Propel to knock down some of those internal silos that had their time, but that that time is gone. You know, the way business is done today, and as you said, customers have more knowledge, they have more choices, they have more information, and I think they have less loyalty. So they want to be rewarded for their investment with a a sort of a 360 package, everything put together at the right time in the right coordinated effort. Uh, Very different world now. Yeah. I mean, you know, Simply Safe is one of our customers and, you know, you've got Ring and you've got Nest and you've got, you know, many options. So I'm going to stay with the best provider that is going to stay with me. I feel like I'm getting great customer support, the product meets my needs, the price points there, they're communicating with me at the right level and and keeping me engaged. And, you know, Bob, one of the other big things that's changed across, you know, uh, the marketplace and what's driving this too, besides the revenue growth, software as a service companies run a recurring revenue stream, as you know, we've built large customer success teams. We focus on 100% customer delight. That's one of our core values. 
but we have to have a customer success team because if we don't deliver what our customers needs, they have other choices to that point. Well, physical products are now in the same place. So you're seeing this big change of customer success and customer success management permeate whether you're buying a car or a phone or a backpack or maybe a Traeger grill. Mm -hmm. The customer success and customer delight side is such a big part of how do you design and launch a full successful product back to your point. It's really cool that you launch it on time, but if there isn't customer success and customer delight, you're not going to maintain them and, and they'll switch when they can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ray, you know, the, the, uh, this sort of move toward industry specific clouds and that increasingly specific and precise capability within industries, right. That uh, I think the cloud model, right. First, second generation or so much, they're pretty much, Hey, here's, we're the making it. This is what you're going to buy. And today I think it's been the buyers of cloud solutions, cloud infrastructure that are pushing back and saying, no, this is what I need. And especially now into the digital world, uh, these industry-specific solutions are so different and so demanding. So I was intrigued uh, earlier this week to see that Walmart now is getting into the industry cloud business and taking a lot of its retail and commerce solutions and bundling those. They're going to sell those as SaaS solutions. So this whole you know industry-specific side of things is getting to be pretty crazy. And I wonder if you'd share your thoughts on, you know, is this a... Is this a short-term thing? Is this where sort of the, the software industry is headed? And uh, what's your perspective there, Ray? Well, Walmart's a behemoth, right? Obviously with, uh, with where they are and you've got Amazon and, 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 and what they've done there. So I think when I did a quick look at, at some of these earlier announcements, and I think they're adding like 5,000 people to maybe 25,000 people. You know, Walmart Labs is just up the road here on 101 from us. And, you know, they've had uh, great technology. I knew the head of technology over there that had many, many patents. It, it's a logical extension for them to take their best in class um, technology capability and offer it up it's going to be interesting to see whether they offer it up into their own supply chain to make their supply chains and their customers more nimble or, you know, to be responsive so that Walmart can actually at the bigger umbrella um, benefit from that. You know, if you think about Amazon being a bookseller and now AWS being a bigger piece of, of what's happened with Amazon is Walmart thinking about it in the same way that they've got this great infrastructure, supply chain, e-commerce technology capability that feeds their big engine. I think the big question for me is what does Walmart look like in 10 or 15 years from now? Are they a technology company yeah. or are they a retail company? Which I think is the larger question that we're both asking. Um, but to build on that, you know, from the industry cloud side, what we're seeing is that the typical providers that have been providing just kind of a generic horizontal cloud stack, Oracle, SAP, say the big old ERP vendors, um, you know, we've seen people move to industry variants and in, in depth. And the reason being is that, you know, the customers need to know that their use cases that are unique for their problems can be solved. And, you know, us as software providers, when we talk to our customers, they, they don't want um, a medical device company doesn't want us to come in and talk about, we can show you how to build 
a Boeing 777 because that's what we that's what we sold to in the past. And frankly, that's what some of our competitors do. You know, they've they've sold in what we we call the planes, trains, and automobile space. But it doesn't apply to the customers that might be doing Traeger grills or backpacks or swell water bottles or whatever it might be. So what customers are really looking for are subject matter experts that understand the problems of what it takes for them to go from concept to customer, have it pre-built out as best you can within the solution that you're providing, but then also have the depth and breadth of a platform that can extend because their business model is not static, it's gonna be dynamic. And so I think the industry cloud shift, Bob, that we're seeing, it's forcing both the business and the business owners and the IT teams to actually collaborate more. Yeah. And it's actually slowed down, I think, some of the buying decisions because there it's this mind shift from just by the platform. Nobody got fired from buy, for buying SAP or IBM in the past, but now you've got choices. And so they're thinking about, we need to think at business and IT, what's it gonna look like for the next five, 10, 15 years? And do we have the platform that's gonna extend and evolve with us as our business evolves. Yeah, yeah. So, Ray, it's interesting, you know, all of Propel, right? You're all built on the Salesforce platform? Yes. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's been interesting. It's almost like a, it's a little bit of a puzzle over the last four, five, six quarters from Salesforce. They've dropped little hints about the size of the Salesforce industry cloud business. But if you sort of follow those breadcrumbs, uh, they're probably getting close right now to a, their last quarter. They don't release this number, but it was their their industry cloud revenue for the quarter ended January 31st was very close to a billion dollars, you know, 900, 950 million, maybe a billion dollars. And in that earnings call, Ray, I thought it was so interesting. They used industry cloud. Uh, they said, you know, the largest deal we've ever had involved financial services cloud. Uh, Brett Taylor talked about how, uh, industry cloud helped drive the largest multi-cloud deals that Salesforce had in the quarter. So they're, they're really seeing this as a strategic value. And now it's, it's such a new field and all. Ray, could you talk about why you built on the Salesforce platform and how that's affecting what Propel is able to do in the market now? Yeah, there's really two questions in there. There's the industry cloud side of how Salesforce is evolving and expanding. And then there is the, you know, why we chose Salesforce versus maybe other cloud technologies. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the first one or the second one first. Um, the reason we chose Salesforce to build, um, you know, to build our solution on was again, that I had this notion that I wanted to close the gap between the chief product officers and the, and the, the product creative teams and the chief revenue officers or COOs. And there was, you know, this area, maybe it's product value gap or the commercialization gap, kind of picture a chasm between the two. And the only way it made sense was to build on top of the, the winning customer platform. And it was easy for me to say, they've already built the best cloud stack, business cloud stack, you know, Gartner and other folks, they've, they've got a 15, 20 year lead on the technology platform. And then they bought MuleSoft and Tableau and Slack. And so they keep adding best in class technology capability that I, as a partner, I don't have to build. 
So when I'm, I'm a venture capital backed company um, and we're a domain-based company, we think about the industry domain, the business use cases, and we can build and out innovate our competition because we're not building the plumbing and the technology platform. I could have chosen Azure or, or I could have chosen AWS, but as a technology platform for our domain, we would have had to build a lot around it, take the Lego blocks and think about Docker containers and, and, and uh, Kubernetes and single sign-on and reporting system and, and fashion a platform and spend probably two thirds of our venture capital money on building the platform and then building the application stack. And so by choosing Salesforce, we were able to out accelerate and just start building domain-based right away. Yeah. And, um, and it got us to market faster, got us our, our customer growth, um, you know, much, much higher, much faster. And I get the benefit of them doing these acquisitions and the technology that I get the modern, modern access to that. So that's the, the technology choice. Um, you know, on, on your second question, you know, in and around industry clouds and, you know, Salesforce and, and that relationship, you know, certainly I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not the right person to analyze their growth rates and, and, and that side, but, um, you know, publicly, obviously with the acquisition of Velocity and Dave Schmeier and industry cloud focus and the things that they're saying publicly and, you know, health cloud, finance cloud, manufacturing cloud, there's a retail consumer goods cloud. Um, they are seeing that benefit in that same depth as well. And we're a benefactor of that because, we can uh, work with them and they've got that dominant space on the customer side. And in the areas where we're focusing on, we're bringing new people to Salesforce that they haven't typically sold to. They've been selling to sales, marketing and service people. We're bringing the other front end or front end back end, which however you want to look at it, but then it does get that whole office side. So in those clouds where they are selling something that's related to a product, um, we're certainly working very close with, I think you, you, you chatted in prior life with maybe a Chute Jaju and, and folks from the health and life sciences cloud uh, as well, uh, health and life sciences teams as well. We're working with all of those folks um, uh, proactively and in, in co-selling and, and helping fill gaps together and, because we're on a common platform. Yeah. Now, Ray, thanks for that. And uh, overall, this has been a great conversation, Ray. And before we uh, before we we sign off, I just wanted to give the opportunity for last word. Is there anything that you wanted to share about uh, some of the things we've discussed today? Well, I think that I think you you brought it up. Um, you know, when you're when you're evolving or disrupting a category, you know, I think we, we've looked at it that it's it's evolutionary to revolutionary. Um, Categories are around CRM, HRM, PLM, and the like. The, the big pillars are there, but the shift in the way businesses are working has to is driving this this change. So, recurring revenue models, um, an aging workforce, you know, capturing that institutional knowledge before it walks out the door when people retire, um, supply chain disruptions, the suppliers you had last year may not be the suppliers you're going to use this year. So um, what we're seeing is tailwinds behind Propel. Uh, and at the same time, it's forcing senior leaders to rethink how they go through and bring their teams together 
in the product and product realization side to the product commercialization side. And for us, it's an aha, it's an easy aha moment. It's like, why haven't you thought about this before? But when you're changing and shifting and, and evolving people's thinking, that's the biggest challenge. And I think we're going to be a benefactor with it um, as people look at it in context of industry clouds, because that is the driver. It's, it is about one and a half times more valuable when you think about investing in a, in a industry cloud that focuses on the problem that you're looking at versus buying a horizontal technology and then trying to tailor it and then it gets stuck and you don't get the benefit of all these other customers that are using the industry cloud because that's the other side too that people don't see. If you buy and think in an industry focus, you get the benefit of best practices or good, better, best practices from everybody else that's using it. It goes, it goes back to your Walmart example. Why is Walmart trying to commercialize what they have? Well, they're probably best in class in, in most areas. So if they can leverage that and then democratize it, the whole market moves up. So I, it's, it's going to be interesting times for the next, you know, three, five, 10 years. I, I certainly agree with you, and I, you know, I've said publicly a number of times, I think that over the, at least the next two years, this industry cloud segment is going to be the hottest category in you know, what I call the greatest growth market the world has ever known. So, Ray, thank you so much. It's been great to hear about uh, you know, Propel and your vision for what's going on and what's happening in the marketplace. So thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. It's great chatting with you. Great. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. And we've just been talking with Ray, ha Ray Hine, CEO and co-founder of Propel PLM. We'll see you next time.